Hey all, so today we are going to be talking about meal planning, we're going to be talking about gardening to meal plan, we're going to be talking about storing food a little bit, and how to make the most of those grocery runs that we have to make, and how to get our kids involved in alleviating our struggles with making a meal every night of the week. So listen in, get some ideas, some inspiration, and hopefully walk away feeling excited about making dinner. Hey friends! Welcome to The Schoolhouse Life, where we answer your pressing questions and share useful tools for creating your most fulfilling, self-sufficient family homestead. We go back to basics in all things family, faith, and farming, and we're eager to teach you what we've learned. Everything from growing a garden to earning an income to living a less toxic and more nature-based lifestyle. We're thrilled you're here and hope you leave inspired to live your life as a schoolhouse too. Hey friends, I am really excited about this topic today. Somebody reached out and said, can you share your meal planning tips? And I thought, yeah, let's totally do that. And I'm excited that I have Drew here with me. He's actually helped tremendously in coming up with good meal planning. Ooh. And I do love to cook. <laughs> he, said, he said I was going to have to do most of the talking, and I feel like that's not even going to be true this time. Uh, okay. So we'll see. We'll see. But, but yeah, meal planning is tricky. We have four kids, 17 to age six. And, you know, this is kind of an ever-changing thing. We're firm believers that the kids, as soon as they can help, should be helping, right? You know, there's the idea of chores and, I don't know, it's sort of like just family life, yeah? You just have to do the things you have to do. And even though some people, some kids get paid for those things, there are some things you do because, you know, it feels good to be needed as a member of the family. And for us, one of those things is meal meal planning and, That's funny and making meals. Because the other day, the, I told Abraham was not helping at all. And I told him, he's our six-year-old. I told him, listen, you have to help. You're part of this family, and we need you to be a good helper. And like he went from like mm. pretty much throwing a fit that he wasn't going to do it to he's like, oh, okay. And he went and did it with a great attitude. I was like, man, yeah. should have used that leverage a while ago. But that's the reality of it. It is the reality. They just, I think we all need to know that we're needed, you know, and that, that we're a part of a team. And so I would say that's my first and foremost tip on, on meal planning. Now, if you have littles that are, you know, too young to really be helpful, I get it. That's a struggle for real. But I will tell you to also <laughs> take advantage of that period of time where they don't eat as much because the grief cooking becomes even harder when they eat more. And the reality is that's why a lot of us, probably yourself included, are homesteading is because we want good yeah. food for yeah. our family. We want to know where it comes from and know that it's good quality. Right, right. And and I think, too, helping our kids at the very beginning, you know, understand how to cook changes their outlook of what food is fundamentally, right? Oh, good point. Yeah. So, you know, we're setting them up for major success in the long run because they're not, you know, I, I mean, and it's through no fault of our parents, like convenience seemed like the best idea. We still are addicts to convenience, but we are also killing ourselves by convenience, right? right. And yeah. we need to take a step back and say, is that convenience really worth the sacrifice I make in the long run? So yeah, we we generally have boxes of macaroni and cheese available to make for lunch, right? We try to get the good kind, right? The, the Annie's organic or whatever. Yeah. Not that I think that that's a fully nutritional meal, but it is a good option in a pinch. And I do think having convenience convenience foods available is something that can be a real lifesaver because we don't want to feel this obligation in a negative way of supplying food for our family. I think, you know, when I cook a meal 
by myself, which is kind of rare, honestly, because people want to help. They want to participate. It's hard for me to be in the kitchen and people not be like, oh, Lacey is an amazing dessert maker too. <laughs> like that's like if I if she's gonna be in the kitchen cooking, that's where I want her to be. Cooking. Well, the irony is I don't think I've made a dessert in you a really it. long time, maybe years, know. because I don't. We I, have three dessert makers. <laughs> we have raised dessert makers that are constantly <laughs> making dessert. In fact, I wish they wouldn't because we eat them. But yeah, so I, I do love, but I also love to cook. And it's interesting that when I have time alone, it can be very meditative to cook. And uh, my technique of cooking is to find what's in the cabinets and make it work. And some of us in the family have different techniques and it works fine. I am learning. She's pointing her finger at me. I'm not. Um, I am learning to <laughs> and our children, embrace I think. it more. I think our children, they want recipes because they still don't have quite the level of confidence in mm, the kitchen, mm-hmm. which I see growing all the time. Now, Naomi, our oldest, makes challah, which is like a traditional Jewish Friday night bread if you haven't had challah. Some people say challah. It's actually challah. She makes it every Friday night, and she used to follow a recipe, and now she doesn't. And almost every week it's delicious, but some weeks yeah. she forgets. <laughs> Something she, argues, she... <laughs> she argues that she remembers it perfectly, but when another kid follows the same recipe, it turns out exactly perfect. And when she makes it, sometimes it's a little flat. Sometimes she says, oh, I forgot the sugar this yeah. week. Yeah. But my point on that was teaching the kids to have the confidence I, I yeah. really like. And mm-hmm. cooking is a great way to gain that confidence. And uh, there's just so many levels of like uh, confidence, success, failure, mm. you know, getting through it all, knowing how to measure, there's all kinds of math, knowing you got to use hot mitts so you don't burn your hands, what to do when you do burn your hands, mm. you know, I mean, I don't know, I think cooking is like all of life's lessons right there. Yeah, yeah, and skills, your responsibility, communication, think, yeah, anyway, so, I mean, beyond, down to the, like, practical practicality of actually getting a meal plan and, and having the things that you need to make those things come to pass. Our system really, when we're when we're doing well, looks like on Sunday afternoons or mornings, we sit down and we have a family meeting and we, what is everyone making is the top of the list. So we review our, our calendar for the week so everyone knows what to expect, what days we're going to have what. And we also go over what is everyone cooking. This is convenient because we order from our local market on Monday. So we know if we need ingredients from there to go ahead and order them and anything else. You know, for a while, Drew was even doing, and this was even before COVID, he was doing a really good job of ordering online and just picking up with the drive-thru. I fell off the wagon when COVID hit. It's funny because right when everybody else started shopping, that way way we quit. (laughs) We did. (laughs) I'm not really sure why, but it it did work well. I think in the long run, you know... It's just as easy to go into the store, in my opinion, now that the kids are grown. Well, now we have a teenager well, that drives. That's true. And the other thing is, you know, back before COVID, we were so busy. It was the only way we could kind of fit it all in to get the ingredients. Like shopping, we were like, oh, we don't have enough time. If we do it online, we can just drive through. Yeah. And then when COVID hit, we had all the time in the world to just slinger through the, the grocery store. Right, yeah. And there's nothing else to do, you know. So you can definitely carve out a lot of time, especially if you have young ones, little ones, and do that online. And, you know, everywhere does that now in a much more convenient way. And I think like what I've been challenging myself to do is I like to make like kind of a more elaborate meal on Friday nights, something a little bit fancy. I I like cooking like fancy savory meals. Recently been into braising a lot, but I will look at what's available on our farmer's market and then Google that 
recipe like google like the last one was like oso buco mm-hmm. i was like you know how how to cook oso buco because it looked like an interesting cut of meat and i wanted to try it so like when you're shopping at like a farmer's market do that with all of that stuff like really challenge yourself to get outside of like the norm you don't have to make fancy meals but there's a lot of things like we make beef and kale is like one of our go-tos that the kids love and it's just ground beef kale olives and onions and you kind of just like saute it all together it actually is a paleo meal we always make it with sweet potatoes oh yeah and then sweet potatoes yeah so it yeah it's one of the most satisfying meals we make and it's funny because it's one of those ones that i don't know uh, literally 15 years ago i just saw it and thought oh i have kale i have beef let's make that and it's become a staple for us and i think that one of the hard parts as a mom, back in the days when I was the one who made all the dinners, you just get into this rut of like, okay, we have mac and cheese one night, we have spaghetti another night, we have, you know, tacos another night. Like, it, it really becomes a routine of like five or six meals that you just do on repeat. Kind of like on repeat, yeah. So finding sources for healthful meals that you can, that are simple is definitely a really, really helpful tool. So we have a few cookbooks that we turn to also that are, you know, just easy. They like just have good ingredients but they're not overly complicated and it can help us mix it up and get new staples on the the routine on the list i think the other big helper in our kitchen is the instant pot Mm -hmm. so we don't have a microwave in the house when we're gonna cook a meat meal if it's red meat we'll set it out generally our red meat's always frozen trying to get that changed hopefully in the next couple years but we'll set the red meat out on a tray and just let that thaw throughout the day. And I'll tell you, thawing ground meat can be pretty, depending on how it's packaged, can go pretty quickly in a bowl of hot water too. So that method, if you don't know of it, is really useful and handy. So I've I've been thawing meat like that for years. And and, uh, another tip is if you're processing your own meat, if when you process it, if you make your ground meat flat, almost like a book or Mm. flatter, so really like, kind of thin and flat, then it thaws super quick and it stacks really nice in the freezer. And it's honestly the easiest way to do it, a food saver. Yeah, in a food, food saver bag. Right, yeah. So, yeah, definitely a good tip. The other thing I was thinking about with the Instant Pot is chicken. Our chickens, because we have our own chicken, we always have whole birds, and we'll stick them in the Instant Pot. We don't, generally, I don't think anybody in our family really enjoys a whole bird just cooked in the instant pot no it's kind of it's kind of gross but what we do is we'll set it on like five minutes or less just enough to thaw it to where you can cut it up and then cook it a different way Mm -hmm. so that's a kind of a quick and easy way to get a whole chicken thawed like it can go from frozen to ready to yeah what cook. used to happen it'd be four o'clock in the afternoon it'd be like oh it's what's for dinner and you know we have a freezer full of chicken that we can't cook in that short of amount of time right so when the instant pot became when i first saw it i was like but you can thaw a chicken in that and cook yeah. it in less than an hour i mean that was a game changer for us it was really what sold us on the instant pot and then you know and cooking rice in it and potatoes the best rice cooker yeah beans oatmeal so lots of things are made easy and fast. So, you know, you can take dried beans and cook them in a couple of, like, an hour maybe or less. Yeah. So beans and rice is another staple. We like to make sure we have those ingredients on hand. And olive oil and onions are other key ingredients and salt. Because by the time you cook that up, you've come up with something else you can toss in the pot. Somebody else told me that recently, and it's true. 
that they the sage wisdom they were given when they were married is anytime you don't know what to make for dinner, just cut up an onion and put it in the olive oil and start sautéing it. And, <laughs> and then by the time you need to figure out what else to add, you'll just have come up with something. And it really Find does. It, that's how I generally start every meal. So it makes complete sense. And my kids know that too. So if they're going to make spaghetti sauce, they know. Start with the onion, chop it up, sauté I, I would say the only meat. thing you're missing there is garlic. Oh, yeah. Well, garlic. And we we <laughs> keep just like... A jar of someone gave us like these massive bags of garlic cloves peeled, which before that we just kept garlic cloves on the counter, but we just always have garlic. Like if the recipe calls for two cloves of garlic, we put twenty cloves of garlic. No. It, it's always we do use a lot of garlic. <laughs> it's always a lot of garlic. And those three ingredients, I mean, it just smells amazing when you start cooking with that garlic, onion, and olive oil. Mm-hmm. The other thing I was gonna add to our list is uh bone broth. So we'll sit We'll take some time and like, I just made like this huge pot the other day of beef broth and then pressure canned it Mm -hmm. so that when we're cooking recipes, we have broth available because I mean, a good stock in a pot and then just a couple of the ingredients and you have a great soup Mm -hmm. and that bone broth is just so nutritious that um, you really don't want to skip having that on hand, but it's easier to dedicate like a day to just letting that simmer and then put up like you know ten jars than it is to uh, and you try can and make it all the time. Too. We freeze it a lot yeah. when we have freezer space. I we find do. that to be easier actually, and most people I think think that's easier than canning. But to back to canning though, and th- that was the part of the question that we got is you know how do you plan your garden around what you need? And for us, it's just a matter of like counting backwards. So if we know we need a a certain amount and tomatoes is probably the biggest thing that we do this with or beans so you know we know that we need how did we do the math last we do about three jars yeah of, we figure out how many jars we consume in a month and then we just yeah probably three to four jars of tomato sauce in a month if not more so let's round up to five and then from there think about how many tomatoes that make takes to to make and, and then, then that, tre- yeah that depends on like the tomato variety and what you're what, like you want sauce mm-hmm. or salsa or mm-hmm. yeah what do you want yeah and i think tomatoes are a funny one too because people get really hung up on like growing these heirloom varieties and and there's nothing wrong with that you know the fun there's all kinds of fun varieties but you have to remember that when you grow those tomatoes they're like 98% water and you don't want a water sauce, you know, like that's right. just, it might be tasty in soups, but it's not going to help you make a good tomato sauce. So you really want to plan your garden around having paste tomatoes, tomatoes that are going to give you a lot of fiber and texture and, and romas and, and paste tomatoes are really where that's at. So focus on getting those planted in your garden. And they usually, you know, if you plant five or six of those, you're going to have tons of tomatoes to, to make your sauce with. And generally in the summertime, we just have that, the, excuse me, instant pot going like a slow cooker. And that's just kind of going even for days sometimes as we put in more and more tomatoes. And then we add, you know, spices and we pick the oregano and the basil and the other things growing in the garden and toss that in too. So then we can can up that sauce and it's just. Yeah, the instant pot gets filled. We put it in jars, can it, and then start the process over again. Mm -hmm. I think that's way less pressure on you than trying to do like spend a day canning like hundreds and hundreds of tomatoes. Yeah, and alternatively, you can freeze those tomatoes too and save them for a day that you can do it or for the day that you're going to cook. 
So filling a gallon-sized Ziploc bag with Roma tomatoes or with Amish-based tomatoes are my favorite, then you really are going to be set up to have this convenience thing that you can throw in a stew or whatever and, and have it ready to go. I think another important thing about, like, the planning of the garden is only plant things that your family's going to eat. And then, like, also sticking back, I was just thinking about this, is back to, like, the tomatoes. Like, those vegetable varieties that are, like, the tried-and-true vegetable varieties – Plant those. Like if you're really trying to put up for your family and have food for your family, those traditional varieties are popular because they are really good varieties. And then you can experiment with the other varieties and plant those on the edges. But that way you know you have this crop, like a, mm. a traditional crop, until you can start saving your own seeds and developing your own land race of seed that does great on your property. Yeah, but I'll say, so just beans are another great example of that. So beans, we like to freeze and can, and we found a bean that does well both ways, and that is the provider bean. It's a bush bean, which is great because you don't need to trellis it, and it grows really well sort of in between things or as its own row, and you will just continue to find beans on those plants through the whole of the summer. And it's so satisfying to just go out there and pick buckets and buckets of beans and for our family, we plant two probably 15-foot rows and really a third I wouldn't mind having just because I like to give them away. And, you know, in the end, we run out of space in the freezer. So then we know we have to can because if we didn't, we wouldn't have enough room. Yeah. Um, but canning beans is pretty easy and it's really satisfying because they don't, these particular varieties don't get mushy when you can them. Um, where others can get mushy and kind of Yeah, kind of and it's kind of gross and stringy. These ones you don't have to string mm -hmm. either, which is nice. Mm, yeah, and I would say, like, I think with meal planning, like, we kind of joke about it, but, like, we set a date of when we can start consuming our canned goods. Like, mm -hmm. I, I do, and I try and fight everybody off on it. But, like, peaches, right, they only come in in one part of the season. So we say, like, we want four cans of peaches a month. And right, so it's not five cans of tomato sauce a month, all of the months. It's only the months that we don't have tomatoes right. fresh out of the garden. So yeah. it's like October through June, we need five. Right, and so like all these peaches that we're putting in jars, like you can't touch mm. until October. And I mean, you have to like our kids, otherwise they're, we're like literally canning it. They're taking it out of a pressure canner, <laughs> opening it and eating it. And that's pretty much all food in general with yeah. our kids at this point. But so setting those kind of rules, it, I feel like it takes more effort off of you. Like you see some of these people that are canning like hundreds and hundreds of jars. And I mean, I get that approach and I get that approach of like stockpiling essentially is what that is. But if you know how to grow a garden and you're going to grow a garden every year, then you don't need to put out that much food. You just need enough to basically make it through because the winter. The truth is, if you can't garden, you probably shouldn't even be staying on your property. And if you need food, you can't carry all those jars with you anywhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I don't know, just piecing all of these ideas yeah, together, yeah. like self-reliance. But I also would highly encourage you to just look at what you have in the cabinet and maybe even take an inventory and, and start planning your meals around that. And that I'm, you know, right now, even thinking about all the canning we did last year, we need to go through our pantry because we still have a ton of that left. Like we still yeah. have, we've used up most of the green beans, we've used up most of the tomato sauces, but there's still some things that we made that we could totally plan meals around. And we thought when we were canning, oh, this will be a quick and easy meal that we just forgot to add to rotation. And yeah. um, and so we need, to, we need to do the same thing. Well, and the other thing I will say that we've been doing is like when we do like one of these braised dishes, 
we take like the so we'll like braise like six hours like a a beef neck for six hours mm-hmm. and then all the root vegetables and onions and all the delicious stuff that like sat in that soup and made kind of a broth we take that and put that in jars mm-hmm. so then we have like three or four jars of this like amazing start to a soup or mm-hmm. you know if the end of the world hits and we don't have access to anything anywhere mm-hmm. we have a pretty nutritious meal for a couple of days so like that kind of like being thrifty with that like don't throw that don't compost that if it's enough jar you know put two or three jars in a pressure canner and just do it real quick or dehydrate or dehydrate so i love dehydrating and i think it's actually probably the most efficient way to store your food uh, for a couple of reasons one you don't have to use the pressure canner and i think it's less energy to dehydrate than it is to to run the pressure oh that's a good that's a good question I wonder which. I wonder if it is. Do the math. Yeah. Additionally, it's very light. When you've dehydrated something, you can have a, a giant, a gallon bag of dehydrated food, and it weighs almost nothing. That you could take with. That you, you could take with you yeah. if you needed to. And additionally, they're so easy to open it up and dump it in soup and stew and reconstitute it. So you know, I did. We had a ton of eggplant this last year. We had a ton of t- tomatillos, and then I've dehydrated a ton of fruit over the year too. So you just have a. You have it's a much more. I feel like, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. It's just convenient, you know? There's no, like, freezing or canning or whatever. It's just on the shelf, and you can see it there and just pop it in. And You could make a solar dehydrator pretty easy. In fact, we've made, like, a prototype one, but it wouldn't be hard to do that. And then it, you wouldn't be using any, any energy. electrical energy. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think you can even buy those pretty cheap. Yeah. I mean, it's like, what, a screen and a... In a mirror, basically. Anyway, so yeah, I mean, there's lots of options and really it's about kind of filling your pantry with staples so that they're there and ready to go um, whenever you need them. I would add to that too, just spices because no food is good without some kind of spices. So salt, pepper, obviously garlic, of course. And then we have a lot, we're growing a lot of the things that we use the most of. We grow oregano, we grow thyme, uh, rosemary, sage those are some of the ones i mean most people can grow those even perennialize them and then the things that i stock up on are things like cumin paprika paprika chili powder what else do we have in our coriander so some other things that you can just have a kind of a bulk amount of so that you're never like trying to make a recipe and you're like oh i don't have this spice you know generally even if you don't have that spice you have something that you can use and our family really likes cumin we really like turmeric and having those things on hand to, to make your dinner taste amazing. And I would definitely say that with little ones, this is really important that you be you be spicing the heck out of their food. We don't, I think one of the tragedies of feeding baby healthy foods is that we can kind of get hung up on like bananas and avocados and, and these things are amazing and good foods, but they don't have a ton of flavor and our kids lose the ability to, like their, their palate just doesn't get developed on those foods. So we really need to be feeding them things that are have a lot of spice in them. Those spices are are healthful and good for us. And if they can eat them when they're babies, they'll like them when they're grown too. And we won't have picky, oh, that makes picky me eaters. Think of like organ meats too. Mm. Like we've all been kind of trained. A lot of people have been trained to not really like the flavor of organ meats anymore, which is just so important to our diet that we're all lacking in all of those things that those mm-hmm. organ meats have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those, and so, I mean, use this time when your children are small to expose them to the things, these foods that are strong. It doesn't hurt the baby for them to have spicy, spicy foods. And I don't mean hot, spicy necessarily, but just 
flavor variety of flavors. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I feel like that's kind of a quick and good fast overview of what our meal planning looks like. It really is a lot of just, we do our best, like I said, when we map it out at the beginning of the week and have the ingredients that we need on hand. We spend less when we do that too, because we can coordinate our meals to need some of the same, same ingredients or, you know, just when you're buying stuff purposefully, you spend less money. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just true about if you walk into the grocery store at 4 p.m. in the afternoon trying to figure out what you're going to make for dinner, you buy crappier things and you buy more expensive things. And, and you waste a lot of time. And you waste a lot of time. Yeah. So, all right. Thanks for listening. I hope this is helpful information and that you're inspired in some way or another. If you have tips on meal planning you'd like to share with us, please leave us some feedback either in our Facebook group or send us an email. But be sure to check in with us on some of these platforms and connect with us and just stay in touch. We would love to hear your thoughts and feedback on the podcast. And if you have any questions that you would like us to specifically answer or topics you'd like to hear about, don't hesitate to ask. We are thrilled to, to be helpful if we can.